This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. It's Wednesday. The NBA draft is happening tonight. Uh, trades are happening officially this weekend. Um, the NBA season's back in a couple weeks. Chris Paul and Devin Booker already working out together. A lot is happening every minute of the day. But to kind of parse through everything that's happened to this point and kind of forecast what we're looking at tonight uh, in the NBA draft, it's uh, David Virchberger. David, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Chase? I'm good, man. Uh, this is uh, this is cool. We we both wrote at Knicker Blogger uh, a a long time ago. It feels like forever ago now. Those those were the days, man. That that was when I was writing back then when like the Knicks were somewhat competitive. Mm. So the mellow years, I guess, maybe a little a little before then. But yeah, those are uh, those are some fun times. Back in the day, I mean, Robert Silverman still long time friend of the pod. He's on the podcast every Friday, so still still some Bob stuff. I. I don't no gym stuff these days uh kevin mcelroy out there who knows what kevin's doing i i who knows um but yeah maybe we need to get the gang back together again one day um how are you feeling david leading up to the draft as a whole confused (laughs) um seems like seems like every day every outlet like you were saying like every minute we're getting new information uh i mean the knicks just pulled off this trade uh, trading up, obviously the twenty-three, giving up their their lower picks, and not sure if that's a precursor to a bigger move to get up to five and six to package their eighth pick along with twenty-three and get up to five or six, or if it's if it's just them positioning for someone around the twenties that they that they really like. Um, it's a lot of guessing games, even a lot of the really established guys that have been doing draft coverage and stuff for, for years, you know, this year coming out saying, we don't really know we're hearing buzz from everywhere. We don't know what's real or not. What do you want them to do? When, what, what do you think the Knicks are up to at the moment? It sounds like they're training up for OB top. And mm. I personally think this is not the draft to be trading up in. Mm. Uh, I was kind of hoping they would even, they would even trade down uh, maybe eight and their, their uh, 37th or whatever it was. For like something, you know, a couple picks in the teens or something like that. Um, just because I feel like you want to give yourself as many shots at this class as possible because there's, you know, there's less information because of the pandemic, obviously, and uh, the draft class itself is is a lot more scattered. Sort of, it's not very. The guys up top, you know, we, we know who the top three guys are going to be roughly, but no one's really super excited about them and. It seems like a lot of the guys in the teens or like the lower lottery, you know, th- those are guys where you might you might find that Giannis, you might find that that hidden star among them. And so I, I think the Knicks should be trying to position themselves to, to somewhere where they can get as many guys as they can 
uh, or, you know, not don't really put the pressure on themselves to like jump in on one guy, unless they have in, you know, Intel or info that we don't know that makes them really like an Obi Toppin or an Isaac Kukor or, or whoever they're, whoever they're trying to draft up top. Um, but, that, but that'd be what I would do. That cupboard is just so barren in New York right now. And I just, the Westbrook rumors were weird. I want to see how Tibbs uses RJ Barrett. I wonder what he sees RJ Barrett as like best case scenario. I, I don't know. The Knicks are just, they have so many different holes that like trading up for, like you said, somebody like Obi Toppin. I don't know. It, one of my draft pet peeves that I've already seen a lot of leading up to this draft is like, Oh, this is a weak draft. Okay. How many times do we hear this? And then it's just like, maybe, but like, there's no superstars in this draft that I, I just see that on draft boards over and over again. It's like, well, we don't know. Like, there's probably there's going to be one or two that we just. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. I, I've never heard of a draft where there's no stars. Exactly. But... What draft do you know of that's no stars? So it's like this is the draft really that you have to do a little bit more due diligence, right? Like you have to really trust your scouting. You have to really bank on your scouting. This is where your scouting department really earns their money by finding the superstar in a quote unquote weak draft. So I I don't know that that always drives me nuts in the draft of like oh there's only one. It's like no the the draft doesn't work like that. It's not like it's all going to unfold like this. One of these guys is going to be a superstar and I don't know who it is, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's good that NBA Twitter is handling the Anthony Edwards may not love basketball that much um, stuff today really well. That That's good to see. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's taken everybody by storm. Um, of course, they cut out you know that that one paragraph where he talks about that, but later in the story, he's like, "No, no, I love I love basketball." But who knows what the story with that is? Who cares? I don't understand. I and Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, preferred baseball. Like that's all we're yeah, leaving out. Sure. Like he he would have loved to have been better at baseball. Like that is clearly something that he preferred to do. Um, that if he was great at it, he would have played baseball. But he did basketball because he he just happened to be the best player of all time. He's like, I guess I'll do this. Like Shaq, I don't think really loved basketball. I think he was just huge and was really good at it. I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You can love it and be great, and you could be like, eh, it's just a job, and also be great. It doesn't matter. People need to calm down. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens here. I want to ask your perspective because the Warriors, I think, to me are the most fascinating team leading up to the draft, the trade moratorium, everything, because they've been away for a while. Steph has had time to get better. Clay's better. Um, Draymond working out. All this stuff is fascinating. I I don't know what they're they're planning, um, how they plan to get back into contention in the Western Conference. Um, The report that uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and the number four pick is on the table to Golden State for number two. I mean, I think this is a this would be a huge steal if they could end up with um, the who is the Danilo Gallinari type that they're uh, enthralled by? Uh, Denny. Yeah, if you Israeli, ended up with Denny yeah. at four and Wendell Carter, um, I think that's probably a huge win. But my whole thing is like the timeline stuff of like, I guess Wendell Carter could be really good and someone who can play um, at the five in closing minutes for the Warriors in the next couple of years, but like. I don't think Wendell Carter, Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph is enough to move the needle for them in the West. And I don't think throwing Denny in there is enough to move the needle anytime soon. His timeline doesn't fit the big three there. So 
I, I'm just very fascinated by what they ultimately do here because I think they're going to have competing timelines regardless. And we're going to see how much they believe in this core three to be able to really still compete for titles at this stage in their careers. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's it's going to be hard. I think, I think if you're in their position, what you want to do is try and strike a balance where you're getting rookies that can sort of contribute right away. You know, maybe like an Obi Top and something like that on a Coro. And then, you know, you also leverage that with your future, obviously. So now you have these guys that you can develop. Um, you know, maybe if you do that trade down and get and get Wendell Carter, I mean, he's another, like, nice young piece that can help right away. But also, you know, he, he's a guy you can rely on down the line if he keeps progressing. If they want to lean in one direction over the other, that's another story. Because then they should really dig into it. I think if they really want to maximize Curry, Clay, Draymond while they still have them, I think they should make the trade with the Pistons to trade down for the seventh pick and flip uh, their second for Wiggins and Blake. I think they should go get Blake. Uh, I think mm. Zach Lowe talked about it on his pod not that long ago. He kind of shot it down. He didn't think it'd be a, a good move for the Warriors. I, I'd say, I don't know, give him a run with your with your you know top-tier medical staff. You know, he can he can shoot really well now. He, he, he's versatile. He can pass. He, you know, he's not the same player he used to be. It's not just raw athleticism. He has a lot of skill, and I think – before he got hurt, once again, he was having a, a really nice season for Detroit, I think, two years ago. You know, I, that, that'd be one possible move you do if you're going all in on the on the win-now side. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, a lot of these trade-down ideas look good for them because at least that way, like I said, you know, you take multiple cracks at this lottery where hopefully at least you hit on one of these one of these guys. Um, so that way you're not, you're not just trying to go one for one. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what they ultimately do. I really don't. I it, do you think Andrew Wiggins is still on this roster in two years? That's 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 a, that's a tough one. Um, it's weird because I've been associating him like with this number two pick. I almost feel like they want to package the two of them right. together to just sort of, you know, sort of get out of that condo. But it's also weird because you know, D'Lo probably had more value. Than Wiggins, almost thought they could have got more for D'Lo than than Wiggins. So to trade Wiggins now for for not that great of value in return would also be kind of weird. It's a very it's a very strange spot they're in. I mean, they could also believe in Wiggins. He he actually showed like decent improvement last year in a couple of areas. People have been waiting for a lot of the playmaking stuff, um, just a lot of like where he's getting his shots from. He I think he was taking more threes and getting more free throws, but. Two years from now, I, I'd probably say they still have him unless they. It, it's really tough to trade him on that contract as well. Um, Are we sure about that? Are we sure any contract is really that difficult to move anymore? I, I don't know. It's not not anymore. Not anymore. It's all, nothing makes sense anymore. Exactly, and um, I just think all these, um, all these contracts are getting moved. I also just think I don't know. I someone will talk themselves like if you have something else to attach everything is about not the contract it's what you can attach to that contract and if someone values the number two pick uh, a huge amount because they're just they're all in on james wiseman and they're like well we have cap room we're not going to be able to sign anybody to fill up this cap room uh might as well just attach wiggins whatever um I I think that's the thing is like who values the number two pick and that kind of sucks for the Warriors that this draft is not seen it seems like around the league as a superstar uh, littered draft so like 
you have, you have to find the dumb teams. Like, they have to go dumb team scouting. And unfortunately, there's not as many dumb teams as there used to be. And I, I don't know. I, I like your idea with Blake because I think they do have to swing for somebody like that. Uh, the injury stuff still really concerns me with him. But it's like they've had injury concerns with their big three now for the last couple of years. Like, that's just going to be part of the aging process for them. Um, but I do think they have to take bigger swings than just Wendell Carter and a Danilo Gallinari type on a rookie deal. Like, I think that's not nearly enough to really compete with the Lakers and the Clippers, um, this year and the Nuggets too, for that matter. Um, I think they have to take a bigger swing and I don't know if there's anyone else. Is there anyone else on your mind outside of Blake who fits that timeline, who could actually put them in the number one in the West conversation? I haven't gotten into like deep thought on this, but I'm trying to think of all the guys that are suddenly hitting the trading block. Like, could they like pull off something for James Harden? Probably not, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know how they afford that. I don't Wiggins, know how, even with Wiggins, and, and I don't think the Rockets, based on reporting, I don't think they're going to take what Golden State would offer them. I don't think number two and Wiggins is probably, enough. Probably wouldn't trade him through. Probably wouldn't trade him through West either. True, but um, yeah, it's it's tough. Um. There's really no one who stands out to me. Like I've just I've looked through it and I'm like, there's really not anybody who I'm like, oh, if they were able to incorporate him in. Like number two for the, the Wizards would be cool. Too. Like Beal would be the ideal guy. Like Beal, just the firepower of Beal, Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Like That's I, ridiculous. That would be that would be the kind of firepower move where you're like, oh, <laughs> the defense are concerned, but like I don't know how you outscore the those guys like i, I just don't know maybe how you this, do that maybe this gordon hayward talk actually like he'd be a nice fit because i'm thinking a guard is, is is where it gets a little tricky to fit in towards not mm. that it's beal obviously because he's just he's just a really really good player but like hayward at the wing i think it'd be a nice little andre godala replacement mm. um yeah, defense is not the same they'd, though they'd want a, a wing or a big yeah no not the, no, definitely not the same i don't know yeah it's it's going to be complicated for them. Um, oh, I know. DeMar DeRozan. Case solved. Warriors winning the title. Um, <laughs> um, Giannis, if he signs the Supermax this winter, will you like the Drew Holiday trade more? Yeah, I don't even hate it for them now because you, you just you, you really have to go, you know, go full force at just trying to keep your keep your franchise guy. I mean, if he signs the Supermax, then that trade clearly worked, right? You, you don't really do it to to necessarily – you do do it to win the championship. But just getting Giannis to to admit that, okay, like I can compete here. They're, they're willing to go and, and get guys for me and, and make this competitive team. I'll stay. Like I think that's the win at that point, even if you don't convert necessarily. So, yeah, I would definitely – I'll definitely mark it down as a W if they um, – if they manage to get Giannis to sign the Supermax extension, even without it, I mean, it's a lot of picks for Drew Holiday. They did do a good job of uh, sending out picks that are a little bit down the line. They're more like 24, 2024, 2025, stuff like that. So they even have a couple of years. If, if Giannis leaves, they'll have a couple of years to, to rack up their lottery picks, or maybe they can make other moves to sort of get their future stock back in line. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't mind it too much for them. I don't know. I just Drew Holiday's not even a lead ball handler. Like he is a secondary playmaker. He is someone who plays off the ball. Now he he is not a point guard anymore. Who is bringing the ball up for this team? Is it Holiday? Because they traded George Hill and uh, Eric Bledsoe in this deal. Deep Vincenzo's gone. 
with ba- is it Bogd- is it Bojan? I think it's, I think it's Giannis. Giannis is a five. He's, he's a five and he's a one. He's a. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, he's he's a man there. I think they're going to clear it out for him like they used to, mm-hmm. um, and just have have these guys be secondary playmakers, like you said. Bogdan's another one. That's another really nice piece. He's a young piece too. Yeah, he's only twenty five. I like Bogdan. So netting him as well was was not underrated. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a really big fan of him. Um, Shouts to the Kings though for getting Divincenzo for him because that's a really nice prospect. New uh, Vladi Divac not running uh, running the Kings anymore. I don't think he would have pulled that off. Something tells me. No, I I would hate to see the return if that was a good Well, it would have been nice, too. I wish Buddy Heald was also part of this deal because he's, like, the perfect fit in Milwaukee. Like, he's the perfect Budenholzer guy. Like, I wish there was a way that that Heald was also included because, like, if they closed with Heald, Bogdan, uh, Bogdan um, Drew, Giannis, and Middleton, mm, that is something where I'm like, okay. I, I could see that one in the East. But as it stands right now, I don't think Chris, Giannis, and Drew is enough, and Bogdan is enough. I don't think I... It, I guess it depends on what the Nets end up doing. The Nets are the superpower I'm waiting that... Um, I don't know, because my whole thing is they now have to think about, is this enough to trump the superstar, the top-heavy superstar in, uh, in the East? Because they've already been slayed by superstars who do more than Giannis does um, in the half court. And they're getting two half court superstars back on the floor in Brooklyn this year and maybe a third. So I I don't like, there's no path to them beating the nets. If the nets end up getting hardened, it's already going to be hard enough. If Kevin Durant is 96% of what he was two years ago. Um, I don't know, man, the East, the top of the East is just going to be a bloodbath, but I, I'm not in on where the Bucks are. If I'm honest, I don't sign the Supermax. I leave. Um, I think they've already hit their ceiling. I, I think it's going to get depressing. But I also, it, it's just, it seems like he's really happy there. So maybe he just signs it and they just keep going out in the Eastern Conference in the second round, third round for forever and ever, David. I, I'm just, I'm very, I'm still very cynical on the future of the Bucks. And that's fair. I mean, they, they did give up a, a good bit of their depth in trying to get uh, Drew and Bod done and just, you know, filling up the rest of the roster with mid-levels and, and better, you know, uh, better minimums. It's, it's going to be Bud tough, loves. but it's a pretty strong... What's that? That's what Bud loves. The Corvers, the Wesley yeah. Matthews. That's his that's bread true. and butter. That's true. That's true. But it, but it is a pretty nice starting five to manage to assemble. Um, it's nice to hear you immediately positive on, on the Nets and them even, you know, trying to get hardened because it seems like the narrative around that is immediate. Like, how's this going to work? Is it going to work? Why is it going to work? I just feel like <laughs> I just feel people like are overthinking it. Kai- they do this all the time. People <laughs> overthought LeBron and AD. They overthought Kawhi and Paul George. People overthink just like top five players playing together. And I understand like wanting to sort of dig in and be like, how's this going to work on the court? Like, who's going to have to sacrifice shots? Like that stuff's definitely interesting to me. But the fact that the immediate thing when when Harden is about to join Kyrie and Durant is oh how's this gonna work? How's this gonna work? I, confusion would not be my first emotion. My no. first emotion is like holy crap, these three are coming together. God damn! All right, I guess the, the whole super team thing is uh, back in vogue. You know, that was a quick turnaround. Exactly. Your re- immediate reaction should be oh shit, the East is screwed. 
Like, that should be your immediate reaction. Not, oh, is there going to be enough basketballs? I, I Like, I want to throw my laptop out the building when I see, when I, when I hear stuff like that, where I'm just like, no, what do you, oh, this, <laughs> we could list off Arden's accomplishments in the last five years and just what kind of workhorse he's like, oh, how, how's he going to play? How are you going to stop Kevin Durant and James Harden pick and pops? How are you going to stop Kyrie floating on the outside? How are you going to stop KD or Kyrie pick and pops? Like, what are you doing with that? What What are you doing with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of the same sentiment here. I mean, never mind that basically the same team build went to the finals in 2012, but obviously it's a different James Harden there, and it's Kyrie. Yeah, they're better. Westbrook, but <laughs> they're better. They're better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny, they, they cite the coaching staff, too. You know, mm. I've heard, like, oh, with a, new, with a new head coach. And I'm like, they have, like, three of the last ten greatest offensive geniuses of all time in the NBA on that bench, like, coaching their team. I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out. They'll there's be anyone right. that can't figure it out, they'll, they'll be all right. They can, they can walk backwards and blindfold it into, like, 60 wins, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. We're on the same page here, David. Okay. Um the Hawks. We mentioned Gordon Hayward a little bit. There's there's some interest. He pushed his deadline back. Um, the Hawks are interested. You mentioned Golden State as a potential option for him. Um, I love Gordon Hayward. Jonathan Sharks, the ringer, and I have been texting back and forth about the Hawks. And uh, something that I, I just... When you look around the league, who makes the most sense for the, the Hawks cap space? There's an internal mandate to make the playoffs, all that stuff. It... it <sighs> DeRozan is like the fallback option, I guess, here, because he can be the the backup point guard, which the Hawks desperately need. And I think that would be an important thing. The defense does not help, and the defense has been atrocious this year, or the in past years, with Trey and this group. So that is a focus, and Hayward doesn't exactly uh, clean that up, but I think he, he cleans it up a little bit more than DeRozan. Um, I like it. Do you like the idea of acquiring hayward in atlanta if it also means him uh signing an extension because i think that has to be part of it too yeah atlanta has another timeline question between again developing the young guys and it's like all right trey young is really really good let's put some winners around him so we can make the playoffs you know these these can't be that tough to crack um defense would be a big upgrade and obviously gordon or DeRozan don't don't help a great deal there. I do like the DeRozan. Uh, I've never seen that name linked to the Hawks yet. That that actually sounds kind of interesting because it gives uh, Trey that sort of secondary playmaker and he fills the two spot well, which I feel like they need more than a Gordon Hayward because all they seem to want to develop nowadays is a six eight sort of wing forward that can do multiple things. Like that's been their draft for the past three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so going in another direction, I think this offseason will be smart. I, I, I've i been talking to my buddy about them getting Gallo, maybe. Um, sort of have that starting yeah. power forward that can shoot, defend a little bit, play make a little bit, be a nice nice pick-and-pop partner with Trey. Um, what's kind of beautiful about the Hawks is they can they, they really have a lot of options, and almost anything would would improve their team, even, even a decent amount. And just Trey getting better and a lot of those young guys getting better is also going to improve their team. I, I guess it's a it's a case of having a really good problem because they have they have a lot of directions they can go in and it doesn't seem like any of them are really wrong but you don't know exactly what's gonna gonna be the best net benefit is it gonna be a Gordon Hayward is it gonna be you know packaging the pick and maybe some young guys for a more established guy you know um, 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, but it, it, it shows the benefit of being flexible, you know, both cap wise and, and draft pick wise and asset wise and young people. Wise. They, just, they just have everything. And, uh, you know, their main star is at the point guard. So, so long as it's on another position, I don't think they can really go wrong with, with upgrading whoever's available. They can, they can sort of wait the market out because there aren't a whole lot of teams with cap space. And we have a bunch of teams, you know, going nuts on draft day when making trades. They can play this patient, sort of see if there's a little low risk, high reward play or, or something with, you know, maybe, maybe a free agent whose value dropped a little bit among teams and they can just go with that. Yeah, I think your point about them just being obsessed with drafting these wings who can do a bunch of different stuff. Like Cam, I think is going to be really good. Uh, what we saw from Cam before the stoppage was very positive, and I think he's going to be a really oh, yeah. good player. To, to be fair, I wasn't like criticizing it. Yeah, it just, just to be clear, before any Hawks fans get on me, like I think it's great they have all these guys. But yeah, you're getting one more is where I was just like, eh, maybe a little. Well, they're they're about to get expensive, and they're at that point where. <sighs> Presty and Griffin don't have to worry about this yet, but they will because the people who celebrate, they're like, they're just so over the top with the Presty Griffin stuff where it's just like, he's got the easiest job in the world. (laughs) He's got 19 takes at finding one or two superstars, but like the idea that Presty is going to be able to like draft three future hall of famers in the same timeline in a two decade stretch. Um, I have my doubts. I think it's going to be very hard to do that. It's very hard to find superstars. It's very hard to find three in the same couple of years. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I think we've oversimplified it in that way. So uh, now the real work begins there. But with Atlanta, things are a little bit different with their draft process because, like, the Luca stuff looms large. They have to keep that in the back of their mind. They have to keep the fact that he's probably going to win the MVP next year, like that is going to be something. So the Hawks are going to get a lot of negative PR. Shane's going to get a lot of shit this year. Um, as you should, like you made a terrible trade. It's part of it. Like uh, Trey's awesome. He's the second best player in the draft, but you made a terrible trade. You got to live with it. Um, John Collins is going to get paid. How much? I don't know. The number is probably gonna be a little too high, but you're already paying Capella because you absorbed him into your contract. So you have those locked up. You traded up for Deandre Hunter um okay deandre hunter's a four he's like your perfect andrew wiggins harrison barnes type you don't trade up for that uh but they did that and then you have cam i guess cam is a two cam is like best case scenario like a jalen brown type which is still a really good player um that'd be great for me and uh he would be great to have next to next trey long term because like cam's just not big enough to guard bigs so he's got to kind of be at that two spot and then you just need a shooter right there so that's why the gallinari thing makes sense for me gordon hayward on the wing makes sense for me you just need a shooter in the corner and stuff like that to balance out this offense when you're playing reddish a bunch and hunter a bunch and collins a bunch and capella a bunch so i don't know man like they're they're in a weird spot but i i would be very happy with hayward because i think hayward they just need competent veterans. They went into last year without competent veterans. They let Dwayne Dedman go. Um, they were just, they didn't have a backup point guard. They had no depth. They had to acquire Jeff Teague uh, last year to bring him back into the fold. And he was awful. Like it was, uh, it was really bad there. And Schlink did a really bad job surrounding this young core and Trey specifically with veterans who could actually help them win basketball games. So I'm very fascinated to see what happens, uh, what happens there. You think maybe they should um, throw a big offer sheet at Fred VanVleet? You know, I posited that a few months back, 
but the more i've thought about it like that was my I actually wrote about this um that when i was looking at the cap sheet and looking at who they should really target he was the first name i was thinking about because like it's just when trey is out this team just falls off a cliff and you need somebody who can do that but like i just think the defense is just you can't play him and trey together at closing minutes and i think that's just too much money to pay somebody who cannot be on the floor with your your best player at, at in crunch time like they just can't those two cannot play on crunch time together that's fair that's fair so i don't know um nba draft surprises give me your lottery rundown give me uh give me like some people will be listening to this after the draft but you can be seen as the clairvoyant David Virchberger. So this is this is your time to shine, David. Um, give me your draft lottery rundown. So, so my pro- projection is sort of who, who everyone's picking? Yes, and you can throw in trades if you believe any of them will actually do a trade because I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think someone's making a trade. Can I give my, my steals of the draft? Of yes. the lot- I don't know if these guys are going to get picked in the lottery. These are my steals of the draft. I okay. can't. No idea who's picking where. These trades are going to blow. You know when we have these big sort of uh, times in the NBA where there's a lot of buzz, a lot of rumors going each and which, and then one trade happens that just hasn't been mentioned or thought of at all? Mm-hmm. I feel like something like that's going to happen. So I'm afraid to talk about the trades or who's picking where. But my steals of the draft are Kyra Lewis Jr. and Aaron Naismith. Those two, I think, whoever's getting them in the teens or, or wherever, maybe yes, Kyra can go up probably as far as like, Seven eight, it sounds like, but whoever gets those two, I think, are going to be really really happy when we end up looking at this draft five years from now. Kyra just seems like the most complete point guard prospect. I don't know why he's not being talked about more. It doesn't seem like a lot of his flaws seem like very simple little, you know, things guys learn as they get into the league and they play a little more basketball, you know. But and then you have Aaron Naismith who's shooting fifty percent from three. Like, he's got a clearly defined NBA skill and can do it off one dribble. You know, he can do it off the pick and roll. He can defend. He knows how to defend. I'm like, why would you not draft this? It, it doesn't make sense to me about those two. Those two, I'm, I'm putting them down right here on the record. Chase Tom spot. This is, these two are those deals of the draft. I like it. I like it. Um, so the I Knicks aren't w- picking either of them, is what I'm saying. There you go. Um, what I think will, like, uh, I'm going to do my biggest surprises. I do think the Timberwolves are not going to trade the number one pick, and I think they're just going to take Anthony Edwards. They're they're creating the team I hate more than anything else in the NBA. I Shout out to Rosas and the Timberwolves for creating. I, I just, I hate this team. I hate this team building. I hate what they're going to look like. Edwards, Russell, Towns is just going to fail beautifully. Like, this is, uh, uh, sorry, Timberwolves fans, you're awesome, but like, oh my God. I don't know what this so is. Think, so you don't think it's going to be ball first? No, I don't. That's why I thought it's been interesting with all these rumors about the Warriors trading number two and people trying to trade up for Charlotte's number three. It's like, who are they trading up for exactly? Because it, unless they really like Wiseman or Edwards, which I haven't heard much about that, like if they're trying to trade for ball, they must think ball's not going number one. No. And I think ball's going number they, three. I think that's just going to happen. I think the Hornets are just going to take him. I think Jordan's going to like him. Now, what what are the chances these top three guys, Edwards, Wiseman, Ball, one of them slips out of the top three? What do you think? I think Wiseman slips. That's been the name that seems like might, might drop. I just don't think 
teams are just too smart now. Why are we still taking bigs who can't, who aren't just like Joel and B types in the top three? How many times do we have to see this story? Like, it's just, you can find Wiseman's anywhere. Like, there are guys right after him. There are bigs right after him who have more ready-made skill sets to contribute now to the NBA than, than Wiseman. Like, I would be terrified if I was a team drafting number two. Like, I don't think the Warriors have any interest in drafting Wiseman. Like, there's no chance they're doing that, and they're not going to take LaMelo Ball, I don't think. Um, so, that's, not I think, going to get traded. There's just too much value. So, I think they're going to trade that, but I also just think Wiseman's going to fall. But then you like, who's trading up for Wiseman? And I'm like, ah. I don't think the Knicks would do it. I don't think the Knicks would trade up for Wiseman. The Pistons, would they trade up for Wiseman? I don't I don't know. The Wizards, I guess, maybe. But like, who are they trading up for? The one team that would be the most fascinating to trade up for Wiseman. San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> now, if they were like, you know yeah, what? Been- we have Aldridge here for at least another year. Let's go get our Duncan Robinson. Let's go. Let's go find our next one. Let's go do it. We believe Wiseman. We can develop Wiseman to be one of those guys. That would be fascinating. That I would be here for. Yeah, that would be that'd be interesting for sure. I DeRozan mean, and Derek we White. Heard much much on that front. DeRozan and Derek White for the number two pick. I'd be hard pressed to say no if I was the word. I mean, I don't know how DeRozan sits now with. Uh, with the, uh, I guess they would have to trade, they would have to trade Wiggins in that one. I guess yeah, it'd be Arsenal match or they could trade someone else. Yeah, Wiggins the number two for DeRozan. If I'm giving up both, I might just ask for Dejounte Murray too. Like he feels like the perfect Ooh. wing for the. If you do Dejounte Murray with his defense with this group, so you do Dejounte, DeRozan, and uh, the Spurs pick for um, Wiggins and the number two. If I'm the Spurs, I got to really like Wiseman. Really like Wiseman. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, with all these guesses. Like, you know, teams, you know, have their, their individual work that they've done. You know, they, they have certain guys that worked out, certain guys that went to see. They talk to these coaches. Like, some of them, like, might just have intel that might say, any random dude on this board, Patrick Williams. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> they could say, they, this is the guy. We, we think he's the steal. And, and they want to trade for him. And it looks silly to us at first, but. You never really know, I guess. Westbrook or Harden, and who's traded, and where are they traded to? What is your what is your gut instinct? And do you think it happens before or after the draft? I think Harden, Harden to the Nets is happening. Um, just because it seems like one of those trades you can't put back in the box. And also, Anthony Puccio uh, reported it, so I'm, I'm ride or die with, with Pooch. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know him, he's Nets Daily. But he reported pod. this for, for a different site. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I'm sticking with him. So I'd say the Harden thing happened. That's for Westbrook. Man, I really <laughs> I really think he, he sort of hangs around and the Rockets roll. He, he they're not getting a lot back for him and just say, all right, who's going to give us the most? And I think that answer might end up being the Knicks. E- even if it's just like one Dallas pick, like that might just be enough to outbid the rest of the rest of the team's trying to get him and we'll see him in the blue and orange. Um, how great would that Knicks Nets rivalry be with the Knicks with Westbrook? And the <laughs> I mean, that'd be good. It'd be fun. Westbrook could put up crazy I mean, numbers with uh, Tibbs. I really do think he'd actually be really fun with Tibbs. I think he'd, he'd help. 
Mitch Robinson out a yeah. lot. Like I, I know, like definitely RJ would would have to take a back seat, which sucks. But like I'm a little more open to the Knicks getting him for nothing than than other people because it's literally it's close to nothing. It's it's like well, Randall it's also not moving Ford the needle. Is. Like he's not changing your trajectory at all. Like Westbrook is not that player anymore. Like he's not screwing up the Knicks timeline. Um, you don't think he raises the floor on winning a good bit? No. You don't see it? No, I don't. <clears throat> Not at this point. And the Knicks roster is still just too bad. Like, they're still just, it's too barren. I, I don't, I don't think there's a path to them. Like, no. Westbrook's just not good anymore. <laughs> and if you hand him the keys to be your, to be your guy in 2021, I don't, I don't see it going well. Um, it could be fun, but I don't see it winning basketball games. Uh, my guess for those two is I actually think Tillman Fertitta holds both of them hostage for at least six months. That is my guess. That would be quite the... What would that even look like? I mean, <laughs> I guess they can't sit out Kawhi. No, they, they won't sit injuries, out. They'll right? play. And they'll just keep hoping. Like, and I think Tillman Fertitta would be like, oh, you want to get out of here? Well, prove your trade value. Go be awesome, and then we'll trade you. Like, I don't... I don't think he's going to like them both pushing their way out and like agreeing to trades and talking to them. Tillman Fertitta strikes me like the TMZ report that came out this week that uh, his Trump ties bothered Harden. Like, you know, he saw that. That dude is 100% going to be the kind of guy who's like, oh, you don't like me because of my politics. Guess what? I'm not trading your ass. There's no way. I am going to guess he is going to be vindictive and keep them for the next several months. That is my guess. I don't think either are getting moved. He seems like the guy you're like, you're not bullying me. You're not bullying me into a trade. Guess what? You don't like it? Still got to show up. Go Rockets. That would that would be about the most NBA thing to happen. I'm trying to think of the most outlandish scenario. Like when the Westbrook stuff first was coming out, I thought like him getting traded to Milwaukee would make no sense on the court, but also be exactly what would happen just because it would be so outlandish. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, That would be that'd be really fun to watch. Really funny to watch. I mean, not if you're a Rockets fan. That would probably no. suck. But that is my guess. That is my guess. Um, final guess, what do the Knicks do tonight? Something disappointing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's crazy. Just like every like, if you would have asked me this two hours prior, I don't think this will be Toppin. Toppin stuff was in the air about them trading up to five or six for him. Like I don't think it was up in the air. So I would have said, oh, you know, they get a they get either get a wing at eight and a point guard later, or the other way around. Um, prediction: they probably stand pat and drafts either Okoro or Toppin, whoever dropped to them. If it's if, if it's both, they get Obi. If it's neither, they go Vassal or Tyra Lewis or, or a point guard, maybe Halliburton. Mm. That'd probably be my guess. I hope they get. I hope they keep twenty three and like get like Ty Terry down there. Maybe I like him. And a little uh, mini Steph, mini Trey for us. Okay. I think the Hawks yeah, at hard, six. Hard. They do something disappointing. I'm right there with you. I think the Hawks are disappointing tonight. I don't think they do anything that I like. <laughs> I think well, they're going to reach the on somebody. For them? Well, well, 
uh, reach out. Who, who, who do you not want for the Hawks? Uh, any more young wings? <laughs> There's not enough room. You have to play Reddish a bunch. You have to play Hunter a bunch. You have to play Trey a bunch. You have to play Herder to see what you have there because his contract's coming. You're about to pay Collins. You're you've already paid Clint Capella. Like there's no room. There's no room to develop anybody else. So I'm just like you. You can't keep this pick. So when people are like, "Oh, you can't go for it," now, I'm like, "There is no more room. You have your core. There's no more minutes. If you want to develop anybody else, you cannot do it." You cannot develop any more young lottery guys. There's no room unless you're trading somebody. So who are you trading? Is it Herder? Is it Hunter? Who you traded up for? Is it Reddish? Is it Collins? You cannot do this. How do you like how, how do you like Halliburton for them as a little foil next to next to Trey? I guess that's fine, but like that's a lot of youth. Guess what? You're not making the playoffs. That's a lot of youth. Are you closing with Hunter, Reddish, Halliburton, Trey, and Collins? It's not making the playoffs in the East. It's not. Maybe the Hawks can get in on the on the James Harden discussions. They have all these young guys. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a thing. I don't <laughs> think. Um, I'm going to guess Halliburton is probably who they end up taking. And he... Like, I wouldn't be annoyed. I mean, I guess... I really think the defense yeah, is a problem. A I would probably do a Coro. Right? Best case scenario, yeah. I think I'd do a Coro. Like, I would do a Coro or yeah. bet on Killian Hayes, who, like, some people have is, like, the best player in this draft. Like, take him at six and just have him be I, I don't know your your combo guard who can do it all and relieve Steph like I said you can't really go so super wrong and they're like you can always trade this guy if he's not getting the minutes he needs you can always develop him in the G League if it's like a you know if it's a Killian Hayes who's not exactly ready yet you know I guess I don't know go find your manager nobly maybe that's what Killian Hayes is um We'll see. Um, David, is there anything you would like to plug before we wrap up here? Um, follow me on Twitter, uh, at underscore verts. I'm, I'm trying to trying to write a good bit this season. Right now, I'm just uh, doing Nick stuff for SNY, but uh, we'll see. I'm open for business. It's going to be a fun season. Going to try and uh, get some good content out there. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to we'll have to do this again soon. This was good. Um so go follow David, uh, go check out chasefunspodcast.com. And if you liked listening to David and I break down the NBA, go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, we're also available on Spotify. Um, go do all that. Um, follow me on Twitter at chasefunspodcast.com. And uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. David, enjoy the draft tonight. Uh, go Hawks and go Knicks with multiple question marks, I guess. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Could turn into exclamation points if things go right or wrong. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? David, thank you. All right, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.